Dave's podcast, episode 27. Titanic, Explosion, Puppies, Doctor Who and Handsome Dave. So by now, we were under Carmarvonshire shared live scheme. We were doing some respite work. That is when a service user comes for a break, either just a rest from their carer or their carer may be going on holiday. We had done some respite on holidays through the Reading Shared Life Scheme a few years earlier when we moved to Wales. This was due to our location near beaches and mountains. At one time we had a phone call from Reading to offer holiday to a chap I shall call P. He would come up on the train from Reading and we would meet him at the train at Neath, which was fine except we had never met him and he had never met us. We only had a care plan, which was a, it was a rough guide to give a, uh, an idea of what the person likes and a bit about their background, plus uh, maybe a small blurry photo, not too helpful when identifying someone on a busy train. So we arrived at Neath Station in plenty of time and got permission to go on the platform. The train pulled in. We had a plan, but it wasn't a brilliant plan. I was basically to stand with the train door open while Deb would run down the train calling out this chap's name. So she started at the first carriage, nothing, then on to the next. By this time the guard was eyeing me up suspiciously most people had got off the train that needed to and then that had wanted to get on the train had done that as well. Finally, Debbie got to the last carriage and she found him. She helped him off with his free bags. He was a tall, skinny chap in his mid-twenties. We introduced ourselves to him when we were safely on the platform and we allowed the Welsh train service to get back on track. P removed his backpack. Here, Dave, look at this. And he produced a book from his bag. Now, no word of a lie. It was a hardback entitled Titanic. It was huge. It was two foot by one foot and around two inches thick. He had dragged this all the way from Reading. Spoiler alert. The Titanic hit an iceberg, but I'm sure if it had hit this book, it would have done very same similar damage to it. He put it away in his backpack, and I never saw it again for the whole week he was there. His other bag was huge. It had turned out that he had brought every item of clothing that he owned. It was probably that he'd never been on holiday on his own before, and didn't really know what you were supposed to pack. We explained that we had to go over the bridge to the other side of the tracks, and he set off at a cracking pace. Whoa there! You've got to take some of these bags. P came back and reluctantly collected one of his bags. 
Pee-wee learned he'd like to walk in front of you, around 20 paces or so. He would often look back to check on us and we knew that if we ever stopped, he would stop and come back. Once we were on Clanstephan Beach, which is a large estuary many miles across. We were on a walk with P and set off at the normal pace. He was 20 feet in front, but he started getting braver and braver and getting further and further ahead. As it was just clear sand, we weren't too worried as we could see that he was perfectly safe. Now, part of Clan Stefan is an old army shooting range which was used in the Second World War. Now, often old munitions are uncovered, like Bob Dylan and Eric Clapton. No, that's old musicians. These are old munitions. And they are uncovered by the tide. These were then safely disposed of in a controlled explosion. Because it was miles and miles of flat sand, it was difficult to assess distance. So things appeared to be quite close, but were actually a few miles away. Are you with me? So, suddenly in front of P, although many miles in front, there was a huge bang and an explosion and a mushroom of sand. P turned round and came back in a panic. What was that? Oh, I set that off. You were getting a little too far ahead. He thought for a minute. No. He hesitated. But he wasn't entirely sure. In P's original care plan, it said he was nervous of dogs. Now, by now, we had two dogs, Lucille and her puppy, Dylan. Now, Dylan had a few issues. It might be easy if I tell you the puppy story. Do you want to hear the puppy story? Well, we moved to Wales and we'd already had Luce. We were looking to let her have one litter of puppies. Now, Deb had started work in the local shop. It was owned by Will and Jess, and they had a male collie. So it was decided to get them together. So Jess came round for a cup of tea. Lucille and this other dog had their first date. Surely they would just talk and maybe share a dog biscuit, possibly a little bit of holding paws. But they had other ideas. Poor Jess was a bit shocked and blamed Luce for being a bit forward. Jess is very lovely once you realise that she is on planet Jess and not always aware of what is going on. Will, her husband, is also on another planet, but it's quite a crazy one. An example of this is if you remember podcast episode four, I know that's going back a bit, but I tell a story of buying a car at a car auction. It was a Vauxhall Avenger and had been hand-painted with Dulux black gloss. Now, it was a really frosty night, so it didn't really look too bad when I bought it. 
but by the morning my dad was confronting me about the horrendous-looking car parked out the front of his house. Having listened to this, he turned up on New Year's Eve with a block of ice. Here, Dave, this is for you. What is it? Will you have to wait and see? As the evening went on, slowly, a car appeared. Then I could see that it was painted roughly black. Eventually, I could see that it was a dinky model of a Vauxhall Avenger. He had brought this car, painted it with black paint and froze it in a block of ice. How crazy is that? Oh, where was I? Oh yes, puppies. Now, going into the technical side of mating dogs, they actually sort of kind of get stuck together. So there was Jess drinking tea, all sedately, and it was still going on. So they drank some more tea. Later on they had another date with a similar outcome. So in May 2008, Lucille was ready to drop. At this time Barbara, my sister-in-law, was down for the weekend. She was sleeping on the sofa, as it was before we had our extension built. She was awoken by the sound of Lucille scratching under the stairs. Although I had made a perfectly good birthing box, which was situated in the corner of the lounge, she was trying to make a nest under the stairs. Barbara got up and went into the kitchen. Something caught her eye, a small, motionless, white, furry lump. It was a puppy. She picked it up off the cold, tiled floor and then she positioned it in her ample cleavage. It was the warmest place she could think of. She then called us and we came rushing down a bit in shock after we had calculated that Lucille still had a good few days to go. I managed to encourage her to the birthing box. Lucille, not Barbara and she produced two more puppies in quick succession, and then nothing happened for an hour. I thought perhaps maybe that was it, but no, then a huge puppy appeared twice the size of the others. He would later be called Brutus. Lucille then went on to have seven more puppies, or three more puppies, that was seven in total. All went well for the first few weeks, all the puppies were spoken for, and we I had kept one that I was going to keep, which matched Lucille with one black eye. I really wanted to have an exact mirror image so I could walk down the street and really freak people out. But by then Lucille had got ill. I rushed her to the vet. It turns out she had mastitis in one of her teats which the one that wasn't being used. She needed an operation and I had to leave her there. It was very traumatic. Deb and I were up all night feeding these puppies. Then I went to collect Lucille and thank God she was fine. So my insurance should cover that. Uh, no, actually. Pregnancy and birth is not covered as it's considered to be self-inflicted. But the vet said don't worry and he wrote it up as removing a tumour, not mentioning any 
birth of puppies. So Lucille returned home to her motherly duties and the puppies thrived. Now they were born in May and a lot of people asked us to hang on to them as they were off on holiday in July. So we had three puppies left for around 12 weeks. Now a bit technical stuff here. Dogs have a window in the first few weeks when they learn what is dangerous and what is safe. At the end of this time it's kind of closed and anything else a dog meets is considered to be a danger. This is why you need to socialise your puppies. Unfortunately this didn't really happen with Dylan. And then the first time I took him up a mountain there was a low flying jet which really scared him and he ran all the way home. He was never quite the same again. He was very aggressive to other dogs. In fact, it was like a red mist would come down. He would actually bite me on the leg. So I had a soft fitted muzzle whenever I went out. So that's pretty much the puppy stories. There is a video on YouTube, on my YouTube channel. I'll put a link on there in the description where you can see uh, one of Lucille and one of the puppies in their various states of growing up. But anyway, back to P. So we were a little worried about Dylan. But it was like he sensed it. I had photographs of P taken with both dogs on the lead. He loved the fact that Lucille was so well trained and he could ask her to sit and stay at his command. P had an eclectic taste in music. He loved Daniel O'Donnell. So if it was someone's holiday or respite, it was their time and their choice, which meant they got the choice of what was played in the car all week. I know what you're thinking. How much do you get paid for this? The answer is not enough. P also had with him a box of the Free Willy films. Now, Free Willy films are not a dodgy 1880s porn films. They're actually films chronicling the story of a boy and his efforts to free a killer whale named Willy. So throughout the week, we watched Free Willy, Free Willy 2 and Free Willy... No, no, it's gone, I can't remember. While training the whale, the boy did a distinctive sweeping hand signal to make Willy... Uh, swim round the enclosure. So when P was going home, he had found his seat by the window on the train. We were stood on the platform waiting for the train to pull away and nothing happened. So I started replicating the whale trainer hand signal to get the train to move, much to P's amusement. P loved his train journey and he would recite every station on the way. We had to write the list down backwards for him to go home. Unfortunately, he would receive a phone call from his mum towards the end of his holiday asking him how much spending money he had left. P lived in a home with two other lads in the shared life scheme but over the years he had a difficult relationship with his mother. 
Eventually, he could no longer come down due to lack of funds. I don't know for sure what had gone on, but I knew P really missed out on his holidays. He will occasionally phone us as he shares the same birthday as Dev. He will also phone us when the hour changes in winter time to remind us to get it right. We also had a lad with Down syndrome who would come up. We would meet his carers on a service station just over the bridge on the M4. This chap, who I shall call G, was a big Doctor Who fan. So we arranged for a big day out at the Doctor Who experience in Cardiff. Throughout the week, G would be wearing various Doctor Who t-shirts. And if we were in, say, Asda, the assistant would say, oh, you like Doctor Who? And he would say, I'm going to see Doctor Who on Thursday. People would say, oh, it's quite scary. And I didn't really know what they meant. So after most of a week of watching Doctor Who DVDs, we set off for the big Cardiff trip. We parked the car and walked about half a mile to the Doctor Who experience. Debbie and Pat returned to the car to drive into Cardiff to do some shopping. We walked in the building. There was loads of pictures and models. It was all good. We queued for the uh, full experience, which was kind of like a walkthrough. We assembled with a group of around 20 people. The door in front of us slid open and we stepped in. There was lots of dry ice and creepy music. An assistant appeared, then there was a film of the current Doctor Who, possibly David Tennant. I am in trouble. I need your help. Will you come with me on this adventure? Then step over the bridge. The music built up, more dry ice and creepy monster sound effects. Others in the group made their way across the bridge. I stepped forward, but as aware, I was on my own. G was rooted to the back wall. He wasn't going anywhere. He was physically shaking and transfixed. I called out to the assistant, You're going to have to open this back door. Uh, well, that's not official policy. Well... He's not going anywhere. She had to use her radio to ask for assistance to get the door open. But it was too late. She was set upon by a hideous monster. No, not really. The back door slid back and released us. Once G was outside, he started recovering. We made our way upstairs and there was an exhibition of old Doctor Who monsters. I tried to encourage G to stand next to them, but he wasn't too keen on that. I ended up with several photos that Debbie had printed off, but G's always standing about five feet away from every monster. We then went in the shop and G purchased a mug and another couple of DVDs. And we were done. So I phoned Deb, and sadly she and Pat hadn't even made it back to the car. 
G came down for the next few years, but we never went to Doctor Who again. Unfortunately, he eventually went blind. We had a mercy call to have him for a week. His shared lives carers and social workers were trying to find a specialist home for him, but it was taking time, and in the meantime, the carers were having to provide 24 hours assistance. We didn't really know what to expect. We knew that he wouldn't be able to negotiate the stairs to the bathroom at night. So we had arranged for a commode in his bedroom. But G would wake up in the night not knowing where he was and which way he was facing and he would call out. I would have to go in and guide him to the to toilet. Needless to say, I didn't get a lot of sleep lying there wondering when next time he was going to call. He was happy around the house because he had been there so many times before so when guiding him downstairs, he could, I could say to him, you know where you are, you're on the wooden floor and now you're on the bathroom tiles and he would knew in his head exactly where he was. After the end of his successful week, he returned home to his grateful carers. We were paid at the end of the month. We'd accepted that we'd probably be paid the normal rate, but we were paid double. Debbie queried it, thinking it had been some kind of mistake. But the shared lives said that they were aware of the considerable extra work involved in G's care, which was nice to get a bit of recognition. Once we moved over to Carmarthenshire Shared Lives, we did a lot more care work and respite work. We used to do about a week or two every month, and this would pay for an extra holiday or a music festival but now we do almost full-time respite and holiday work. We have our set regulars which require particular needs and particular set interests. We have someone who loves musicals. So several musicals DVDs are watched, Hello Dolly, Cats. And then in the car, we would have the best of musicals playlist on Spotify. Other musical download sites are available. He knows the cast and the stars and can rattle them off by name and he is very rarely wrong. He will write detailed, beautiful lists of all the songs that he wants to add to his playlist. We also have a chap who's a big Harry Potter fan. So during that week we will watch every film in chronological order. Dave often closes his eyes throughout long periods in the films. Sorry, yes, I've never really understood Harry Potter. And don't get me started on the film series Fantastic Effects and Very Little Story. We also take this lad on various steam trains throughout South Wales so that we can fully replicate the Harry Potter experience. We have another young chap who brings his Xbox to play in his room but he also has Sky Football. I support him. It's got to be done. I watch sometimes three games in a row before Deb becomes so exasperated and demands for the telly back. I have also taken him to participate in football tournaments and to regular training. 
we have a young lady who comes who loves cuddly toys and Debbie has to trawl the local charity shops to find the biggest. She loves dressing up in Halloween costumes or Strictly Come Dancing and Christmas time. Deb will make personalised t-shirts and birthday cards for all of her family. She comes for the weekend and it's totally her time. One thing she will do, she will often just say, Oh Dave, you're so handsome. To which I'll reply, but what about Deb? And she will say, oh, she's a good cook. But don't get me wrong, a lot of these people have issues and need a lot of assistance. Many are on medication, which has to be monitored and administered correctly. Some have epilepsy and have to be escorted everywhere and respectfully monitored while doing any personal care. But then we had Covid. And not much has been said about the care industry. But we had no respite for Pat for 18 months and no one came here. Before Covid, Pat had four days a week she would go to day service. They would collect her from her house and return her around four o'clock in the afternoon. Now she has just two days a week and we have to drive her to Ammonford and collect her again. So now we're pretty much up to date. I can't really go through any more details of the people that come to us for confidentiality reasons. So that's what I've been doing the last 10 years. I could go into my time about doing stand-up comedy, learning guitar or recording songs, one that has been downloaded 6,000 times, earning me a staggering $15. But that's maybe for another podcast. So that's my many jobs. I look back now and I think, how did I do that? How did I get up in all weathers and collect freezing wet fish and go out all day in the rain, the wind, the snow and floods? How did I travel the south of England at a moment's notice and try and sell a stranger a new kitchen? Did I really work at the Atomic Weapons Research Establishment? I delivered the parts. I wore the protective clothing. I've now watched Oppenheimer, so I've seen the film. So it's goodbye for now. Thanks for listening. I'm going to take a break for a few weeks, but I may return with season two, covering my 20 years as a Reading supporter or the various bands that I've seen, or the cars I've owned, or our next real big adventure, which I can't really tell you about. But Well, if you like it, like it, you can share.